Welcome to Funding the Dream on Kickstarter. I'm Richard Bliss, the host. You're listening to episode 97. You know, I call it Funding the Dream on Kickstarter, but this episode, and, and like uh, a couple episodes earlier, we're actually going to talk about a different crowdfunding platform other than Kickstarter, Indiegogo. Uh, I want to pre- say how much I appreciate everyone who's been listening. We've had great uh, growth in the podcast. I've reported that to you, to the listeners, and thanks for the feedback and those that have reached out to me. If you'd like to reach out, you can find me on a variety of different places. My Twitter handle is Richard Bliss or Game Whisperer, and you can find me on Facebook under Richard Bliss or The Game Whisperer on Facebook or TheGameWhisperer.com. And I want to thank uh, this episode Impressions from Aldo Gazzi for sponsoring this episode along with Slugfest Games. They've been our sponsor for the last three, and we very much appreciate that. Get a chance to take a look at Slugfest Games. Dot com, which is Red Dragon N. Great little game. All right, let's talk to our guests. This episode, I have a couple of, uh, I've reached out across the border. We ran out of good guests in the United States, so I went and found somebody else somewhere else. No, just kidding, although I've got some great guests across the border. In Canada, my guests today are Kaya Sadowski and Joanna Gaskell. They are the presenters of Starlet Citadel Reviews. Ladies, welcome to the show. Nice to meet you. Thanks, Richard. Is it... it is, am, I, am I allowed to say ladies? I, it's usually gentlemen, and, and it's not very often I get a chance. So no offense taken to anybody who's listening, please. Um, I don't offense the ladies at all. No, ladies is just fine, but you won't get away with girls. Oh, no, no, please. I, I have five daughters, so I have lots of girls at my house. So let's talk about um, – let's do a quick introduction for our listening audience. Uh, you two have a – a show, I'm going to call it a show, a, um, a video YouTube channel where you do reviews of board games called Citadel, Starlet Citadel Reviews, right? Yes, that's right. So tell us a little bit about that, what that is, so that those who aren't listening or are not familiar with it, what is that? Sure. Uh, well, it's a currently weekly review series. Um, the videos usually run about five to a maximum of eight or nine minutes. And we'll pick a game that's either uh, a new and exciting release or a little bit more of a classic. We'll give you a full walkthrough of what it feels like to play through a round of the game. And then at the end, you get mine and Joanna's opinions on what we think make it uh, strong or perhaps less interesting or more interesting to certain viewers. It's basically a quick way of getting a sense of whether or not a particular board game is right for you. And this is your... And the reason we're having this discussion is because you've been doing this now for, is, what, one season for about a year? Yeah, it's, um, we started these last October um, and had a little bit of an in- inconsistent release schedule to start. Um, we really got onto the weekly schedule around January of this year. Um, so we're coming to our first calendar year of production. Really, the end of 2012 is going to be the end of our first season. And by then, we will have put together, I believe, 58 episodes. And that's a lot. And, and so what you've done then is you've said, okay, hey, let's find a way to your next project, this Indiegogo project that you've, you're launching, is basically to fund the second season. Is that correct? Uh, that's correct. Um, the... Sorry. (laughs) It's still the morning for me. Um, Basically, what we're doing is because we are very committed to continuing these reviews, we're going to continue self-funding to a certain extent. We're basically funding a half season. 
of 26 episodes. So that would be a release schedule of about one every two weeks. And we're asking for support from our viewers to essentially match our contribution and help us build back up to a full season with perhaps some seasonal holiday specials or other kind of bonuses as a reward for the support. You know, that's a great idea, kind of uh, including the audience to help participate. And you've, you've done very well. You know, I've, I've kind of followed you on Twitter for a while, and I have glanced at your uh, video reviews, but you've done fairly well for yourselves, haven't you? Yeah, they're amazingly popular, actually. Um, it's one of those things where when you start out doing video of, of any form, you never really know how popular it's going to be. You never really know if there's going to be any return on it. Um, and people have really people have really followed. I mean, we've got a lot of people who tune in in the first day. We get hundreds of views in the first day and a lot of feedback and a lot of comments. And it's 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 really exciting. I think it is exciting, and which is one of the reasons I wanted to have you on the show to kind of talk about this process. that you, We're going to talk about Indiegogo and the decision to do that. Um, but beforehand, I think there's some intrigue and interest. Intrigue might not be. That's a little – that's kind of an exotic <laughs> word to use for this. But there's some interest uh, on the two of you. Because, um, uh, Kaya, I read on your – a little bit of your bio that you're uh, – you, I said a fencer, but you corrected me. It's a historical – tell me what it is. Uh I am a fencer. I'm just a historical fencer. Uh, the distinction is the kind of fencing that you see on TV, say in the Olympics, um, sport fencing is a very much a modern sport. Um, what I do is fencing with historical rep- weapons, uh, predominantly the rapier. So what would have been used in kind of 16th and 17th century Europe. So what, oh, they're using the api in the Olympics, aren't they? Uh, yeah, they use epee, they use saber, and they use foil, so significantly lighter weapons than what I would fight with. And how polite you were to correct my pronunciation so, <laughs> so eloquently. Thank you very much. What's the difference between what you're talking about, the rapier? Because we, those of you know, RPGers, we've all you know known the rapier. We're not going to go with the cutlass. What, what differences are we talking about here? Um, a rapier is somewhat similar to what you see in sport fencing in that it's primarily a thrusting weapon. Um, most of what you're doing is striking with the point, uh, although it does cut fairly well also. Uh, it's a little bit of a heavier weapon than the sport ones. Um, it'll weigh a couple pounds, basically. And what's, and what's uh, the difference when you're fencing, uh, that weight difference? What does that mean? Is that just flat-out speed? Um it changes the balance of the weapon. It can't move quite as quickly uh, as something like an epee, but it's also got a more rigid blade. Um, it basically changes the dynamics of the movement. The other big difference between sort of what I practice in sport fencing is that um, historical fencers will treat what they're doing as a martial art. So we're approaching it from a bit more of a martial perspective. Uh, When we fight, for example, we'll fight to the first decisive hit rather than scoring on points. So we do, we use padding and protection and we put blunts on our weapons, but we are training with replicas of actual weapons and we fight effectively to the first significant blow. So are you a, a weapons connoisseur? Can you look at a, so my, my experience with weapons would be uh, princess bride. <laughs> okay. So you know the fencing in that movie is not terrible. <laughs> uh, it's pretty entertaining. Um, it's pretty entertaining. So we got the princess bride, Errol Flynn, and uh, and Zorro. So what am I looking at? Am I looking at rapiers in uh, in these movies? You're looking at rapiers in The Princess Bride. 
Okay, perfect. And yeah. except for the six fingered man, was that a six fingered uh, rapier? Okay, sorry, we're off topic. Okay. <laughs> so fascinating, and there'll be a lot of interest to how you got involved with that. But that I've got to believe then that 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 interest, that hobby, or that passion that you have draws directly then in and allows you to have a richer experience in the overall board gaming. Do you do RPGs and, and play RPGs then? Uh, I do. I've been playing Dungeons and Dragons uh, since I was in my late teens. Okay. So does a rapier actually crit on an 18 plus? Okay. Yes. Okay. I, I can say that definitively. All right. You heard it here. <laughs> you heard it here as authority. And one of my previous um, guests was, uh, his name is Jengis Dervis. And he does, uh, he is a combat weapons expert in all four, and he does consulting for movies and stuff. So it was really cool to hear him talking about it as well. About uh, mm-hmm. So I've had two experts on. Okay. So Joanna, <laughs> not to leave you out, your your Twitter handle, Mighty Joanna, I, I, I kind of mentioned it at the beginning before we went on and started recording, but you said that there's a bit of a story behind that. What's the story behind your Twitter handle, Mighty Joanna? Um, well, actually, um, uh, <laughs> Mighty Joanna was the name of a production company that I was developing. It was my own personal business called Mighty Joanna Productions um, way back uh, over, I don't know, over two years ago now, I guess, uh, when we started creating the first season of Standard Action. So Standard Action is a fantasy comedy web series, very based in D&D and role-playing games, um, that has a full season online right now. And it's uh, something that I produce and that I write and that I star in. Um, and the, the two production companies that uh, co-produced it were Phase Bar Films, which is the company that's owned by uh, my director, and also the director of Starlet Citadel Board Game Reviews and Mighty Joanna Productions, which was my own my own business. Now, unfortunately, Mighty Joanna Productions didn't really take off. Um, I decided to create a different company and, and move in a different direction, but that's where the name came from. But even though Mighty Joanna Productions didn't, uh, Standard Action has done well, right? Yeah, yeah. Standard Action's done very, very well. Um, we, uh, we're in post-production for our second season right now. So we have a, a full season online for free um, at standardaction.com. And uh, yeah, our second season is uh, very, very exciting. We've been uh, we've been touring around North America at various conventions to talk about it. Uh, we've been, we're at PAX this year and Gen Con, and um, yeah, we've uh, we've gotten a lot of attention from it. Um, it's very, very fun. It's it's a lot of running around in the forest with swords. Uh, <laughs> how, how can that not be fun? Um, yeah, absolutely. I would love to spend 100 percent of my time doing standard action. <laughs> Well, and there's and and it's not unprecedented because we're starting to see more of this. I, I think about the um, fan creation of the uh, the Gollum, uh, Aragorn and Gollum. Did you see that? Yeah, the the fan film. Yeah, the fan film, which was yeah, uh, very no, well done. And then what, I saw what, it mentioned um, last year or something. I was amazed at the quality. It was it was beautiful, really well done. It was, and the way that they did it without having to, to rely on special effects for the Gollum character by keeping him in a sack the whole yeah. time. That was right. That was that was brilliant. <laughs> Yeah, that's the thing is that when you when you end up talking to indie filmmakers, it's that um, everybody complains about not having enough money, right? But not having enough money also uh, instigates this kind of really amazing creativity when it comes to filmmaking. Like you end up having people who, by necessity, they have to come up with these fantastic ideas. And standard action. Speaking of, of raising funds, uh, you Indiegogo that. I guess we use Kickstarter as a verb. We'll use Indiegogo as a verb. You, <laughs> you Indiegogoed that uh, that first season, right? Uh, no, we, we actually did an Indiegogo fundraiser for our second season. Our first season was uh, self-funded. 
Um, but yeah, we turned to the fans for help with our second season and, and they, they definitely came forward with, uh, with the funds for that, which was fantastic. How well did you do on that project? Um, we asked for 10 grand uh, and we ended up with just over 13, um, which was great. I mean, for, for somebody who's coming from, I, I'm not, I'm an actor and a writer, but I certainly don't have any, um, I don't have a huge career behind me. I don't have a lot of clout. So to have a bunch of D and D players and fans and gamers come forward and actually donate their own money to a project that they love to see was incredible. It was, I, I had no words. It was quite mind blowing at the time. I, I, I imagine. And now what you've done is the two of you have kind of uh, gone back to this, to Indiegogo uh, concept with Starlet Citadel reviews. Now, before, and, we, and we're going to run out of time. I know we're going to run out of time this one because there's too many interesting things here. Let's talk about, before we, where I want to go with this is, is that um, one of the reasons I reached out is because there's something that sets Starlet Citadel's reviews apart from many of those that rest in the industry, and that is, in case anybody hasn't noticed who's listening, you're both women. <laughs> and in this industry, it's traditionally dominated by men. And what kind of perspective that, and it's not totally dominated. My women listeners are going to go, oh, you know, Angie Hickman's going to, I know she's going to reach out to me. Sorry, Angie. But I'm just talking about overall, you guys have kind of set yourselves apart and said, look, this is who we are. And this is what we do. And we're going to talk about game reviews. And yes, you are women. Where do you see? Do you see something changing with women in the industry? Um, is there an influence out there that maybe isn't being picked up on? Do you have anything comment to that to help me dig myself out of the hole that I kind of put myself in? Um, yeah, I had a I had an interesting experience not too long ago, actually, uh, at a event that was specifically targeted at board game retailers. Um, my day job is working for, well, actually, Starlet Citadel, which is an online game store. Uh, the reviews originally kind of came out of that. And not that long ago, the owner and I went down to an event that was run by one of our distributors that was basically a, uh, a meet and greet for a bunch of board game retailers as well as publishers, mostly in the States. And one of the things that really, really struck me at this event uh, was that there was a much larger number of women there than I'd maybe expected. Um, I'd honestly been afraid that I would be one of the few female attendees. And what actually happened is there was kind of a generational split. Um, a lot of the people that were attending that were, say, in their later 40s, earlier 50s that had clearly been in the business for a while were predominantly men. And then there was this younger group that was closer to my cohort. I'm in my mid twenties, uh, that had a very large group of women in them. Uh, they were very vocal when there were presentations, opportunities for engagement. Uh, they were all very engaged, very involved in what was going on. Um, and it was really encouraging to see that there seems to be this real expansion of, uh, of women's involvement, even at that end of the industry. So does that, that begs the question that this younger generation, this transition, uh, gender and age, uh, are, are there barriers? And I'm not talking about glass barriers and glass ceilings, but are there just barriers to, Hey, this is the way we've always done it. And this is the way we're going to keep doing it. And this younger generation and, and there's a gender difference. I've observed as a marketing person that there, you sell to women differently than you sell to men. Are you noticing that or seeing that at all? 
I'm going to take that as, oh, I haven't thought about yes, that. That's a, it's a yes and no question. Um, I think in some ways the barrier that has to be overcome is in that perception of having to target gaming marketing in particular at men because clearly they're the people that are going to buy it. Um, there, was a, there was a presentation by... Wizards of the Coast, I think, about a, a new property that they're launching and that they're marketing specifically at preteen boys, I believe, was the target. Uh, and when they were asking people for feedback on how to sell this better, there were a large number of both men and women that stood up and said, well, hey, why don't you market it to girls as well? Because they consume these products just as much. I thought all, everything was marketed to preteen Board. <laughs> this is the board game industry. Isn't everything marketed to them? Okay. That just seems like a, a, a odd thing to say. We're going to target this demographic because we think it's been underserved. <laughs> Boys who like violence and elves in leather bikinis. Really? It was, it was an interesting conversation, but the pushback was what really struck me, that there were a lot of people that just went, well, that's silly. There's lots of women that are involved in this, too. Could you maybe market to them as well? Yeah, interesting. I wonder if they took that, uh, took that feedback. I would hope so. <laughs> hope so. so let's talk then. Your Indiegogo project uh, was launched recently. When does it end? It ends on November 24th. Okay, so November 24th. So those who are listening, they can go find it on Indiegogo. What's it called? Uh, it is called very creatively Starlet Citadel Reviews Season Two. Our uh, Indiegogo address for that is uh, indiegogo.com slash Starlet Reviews. Okay, and let's talk then. Uh, there's some obvious reasons and maybe not so obvious reasons. Why have you gone with Indiegogo? And and then because Kickstarter is the dominant one in the space, you've gone with Indiegogo, and it sounds like from what Joanna said is that you guys have had some, uh, some very good success with Indiegogo. Help the listeners understand kind of the differences and kind of the decision that you made there. Sure. Um, well, as an independent filmmaker, um, myself and uh, and Rob, my partner, who also works on Star Citadel, um, we've used Indiegogo a lot in the past, um, not only for standard action. Uh, but also for uh, a feature film uh, further back in the past called The Director's Project, which we produced uh, in 2010. Um, Indiegogo is, first off, much easier to use than Kickstarter for Canadians. Um, for a Kickstarter campaign, you have to have an American bank account. Um, and that, you know, you, you can do it, but it's a workaround. Um, and it's Indiegogo feels a lot more welcoming uh, for anybody outside of America. Um, also, uh, there's some really lovely options with Indiegogo in terms of flexible funding. So um, you can set your campaign so that you receive whatever it is that people pledge to you. You don't have to actually make your total to get money out of the project. Um, there are arguments for and against this, uh, but in what, the past... What are some arguments for? We only have about uh, 90 seconds left. What would you okay. say some arguments are for? Sure. Um, well, I mean... I, Speaking from personal experience, um, one Indiegogo fundraiser that we ran, we didn't make our total, but with the amount of money that we had, we were able to take our feature film to a local theater and put it up and screen it. Um, we we didn't make our total, uh, but with that extra money, we could do something. Um, if we'd done Kickstarter, we wouldn't have been able to do anything with it, and it might have died, unfortunately. Well, that's a, and that, so that brings up a valid point. In this case, flexible funding makes sense because unlike a project where you're actually producing a physical manufactured product and it's like, look, we need this much money or we can't make this thing, so then flexible funding wouldn't make sense because if you only receive a portion of it, it doesn't matter. There was a threshold you needed to get past. But with this one, it sounds like with flexible funding, 
If you raise a portion of your funds, that just means that you'll be able to do a portion of your, because this is a, right, a series. This is a, a series that it'll fund a portion of the series. Yeah, it, I mean, it opens up a whole lot of options that you wouldn't ordinarily have with Kickstarter. All right. And uh, what's, your, uh, what's your funding goal that you have for this one? It's seven thousand dollars. And where are we sitting at uh, right now? We are uh, as of this morning. Yep, we are at eight hundred and ten. So we're we're on our way, but there's uh, there's still a distance to cover. Well, you're over ten percent, and you just recently launched it. So that's I think that's going to be good news. And there's a lot of really awesome stretch goals. So if we go over the total, there's some amazing stuff coming up. Like some D&D content potentially, which I'm very excited about, possibly <laughs> a card game in the works, all this cool stuff, which I hope you guys can see. Yeah. We really want to get to make those stretch goals. Absolutely. And, yeah, we're looking forward to producing the, the perks and the extras as much as we are making the series. Well, I haven't backed a single Indiegogo project. I think though that I have made, I'm going to, this is going to be probably my first one um, because I, I have seen what you guys have done. I like your uh, video broadcast. There's great reviews out there. I like, I particularly like yours, and I kind of like what you've done and the message that you've got out there. Uh, I like your Facebook page, and if somebody, if they want, Facebook.com/slash/StarLitCitadel is the Facebook page. And so I th- I'm very encouraged by what you guys are doing. So I certainly appreciate you taking the time to be on the show. Thank you very much. Thank you for your support. You have been listening to Funding the Dream on Indiegogo and our this has been episode 97 we've been talking to Kaya Sadowski and Joanna Gaskell with Starlet Citadel Reviews their Indiegogo project is currently running live you can go take a look at it Uh, I would encourage that and also um, to give another plug Standard Action the web series uh, go take a look at standardaction.com right Joanna standardaction.com that's right thank you go take a look at the web series uh, to see what it looks like to do run around in the wood with swords which sounds awesome. (laughs) Thank you everyone for listening. Hopefully you've heard something inspiring. I always enjoy my guests and this has been a a great one. Uh, And uh, we would also like to thank our sponsors, Alliance, Aldo Giazzi, excuse me, not Alliance, Impressions, Aldo Giazzi with Impressions and Slugfest Games at slugfestgames.com. You've been listening to Funding the Dream, episode 97. Thanks for listening. Take care.